to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 3. I want you to hold it there, even though we're going to only read one verse for the message this morning. Um, I'm going to have to preach fast. I'm a southern boy, but I'm going to try to go in Yankee mode, talk fast this morning. Thank you so much. But uh, I'm doing a series right now called Full, Full. There's some things in the Bible that we should be filled up with. And so last week we talked about being full of faith. And this morning I want to talk about being full of the Word of God. How many know we need to be full of the Word? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, Colossians chapter 3. Paul wrote, said, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Um, there is a restaurant nearby here that uh, I'm not going to name it, but I love to eat at it. Uh, I've been on a diet, so I'm, I'm slimming down, so I can't eat there much because they got burgers and fries, and you can't lose weight eating burgers and fries. Uh, despite if you try it, it won't work. And so I like this restaurant. So I can I only can go there every once in a while. They have unbelievable French fries. They got those little crispy fries. You know what I'm talking about? Crispy fries. And I love to go there. I don't understand this. I think there's a conspiracy. But nine times out of ten, when they seat me and they bring my plate and I reach over to the ketchup bottle, it's empty. I don't get it. I think they see me in the parking lot. And they say, seat him at table eight and give him an empty ketchup bottle. Nine times, if I get a ketchup bottle that actually has ketchup in it, I like to have a hallelujah moment at the moment. I don't understand why it happens. I don't want an empty ketchup bottle. There are some things in my life I don't want empty. I want full. I want a full ketchup bottle. Anybody in the house with me this morning? Okay, I don't want an empty. I have to get up and go to another table and steal a ketchup bottle from another table so that that person comes in and they think there's a conspiracy going on. So there are things in my life. I don't want an empty ketchup bottle. I, I like a full tank of gas. I do not like, I don't want an empty tank of gas, right? I had that happen one time in my life, and I don't want that ever to happen again. I like the gas tank full. My mom always taught me when it gets to a quarter tank of gas, mom's back there going, yes, he learned one thing. When, the, when it gets to a quarter tank of gas, you fill it up. Ladies, you don't let it go all the way down. Well, it said I had 22 more miles left. That's not how you drive. Okay, don't ignore the voice or what's on the screen. Okay, gets to a quarter tank, fill it back. And I love a full tank of gas. I love it. I, I'm gonna tell you how weird I am OCD. I'll fill my gas tank up and I'll drive it for a day, and then I'm and I don't even want to look at it. And then I look down and I got that. I got one of those like you know it's a display, and I get like a sliver. It's already down, and I'm like, Dah. how many like do the same thing? Like you want to just pull in a gas station and top it off real quick, and then drive around saying full tank. So you're like that. Oh hallelujah, I'm not weird. I want. I get a full tank of gas. You ask Lisa. I'll fill the. I'm Lisa. Leah. I'll fill the gas tank up, and I and I'll I'll fill it up, and I'll say, Leah. I said, I got a full tank of gas. Let's go somewhere. Let's go to Atlanta. Let's just drive. I got a full tank of gas. We could go anywhere. Leah's like, No, we're not going anywhere, babe. Go to the house. Uh, I don't want. I want. I don't want an empty ketchup bottle. I don't want an empty. I like a full tank. I don't want my battery to go low on my phone. Anybody else in the house? Okay, I don't want it getting, if he gets down below 50, I don't like it. We're going to charge that bad boy. It's got to get up. I got to have the power. And it costs all. I got to have power. Okay. 
So there are certain things in my life I don't want empty, I want it full. Well, when it comes to spiritual things, I want to say this morning, I say this, I can preach this message because this is true. This is easy for me to preach this. I do not, in my spiritual life, want to have a deficit of the Word of God in me. I want to be full of the Word, okay? I want to be full of it. I want to be so full of it that in anything I face, anything I go through, there's always a reference I get to in the Word of God. Paul gives us this verse, and he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, okay? And what he's saying there, let me just show you something here. Taylor, put that scripture back up again. So we'll look, it's the word of God. That is written in the present imperative tense in the Greek. Now, I don't usually you know, throw a lot of Greek stuff at you, but this is very important. This is a command. When it's present imperative in the Greek, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. Now, I'm going to mess with your head right now, okay? How many of you know if God gives you a command, you're supposed to obey it? How many know if you disobey that command, that's sin? So if you don't let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and you're not reading the Bible and you're not getting the word inside of you, guess what that is? That's what? I know you don't want to say it. I don't like to read. I don't like to read. I'm just, I have a hard time reading. I don't like to read. Uh, I find that sometimes the Bible's boring. I don't understand. Look, y'all, we got all these excuses. But that's what happens when you sin. You make excuses. We need to be reading the Bible, and we need to get in us richly. And that, that word means abundantly, like a full bank account. How many of you like to have that? <laughs> and so it's like full. So that, that's where this scripture is helping me understand. We need the fullness of the word. And then Paul says that it should dwell in you. And I want to take you to another verse, John 15, 7. Jesus said, if you abide in me, watch this, and my words abide in you. So the word of God needs to be dwelling in you, Paul said. Jesus said the word of God needs to be abiding you. He said, you ask what you will and it shall be done. Both of these verses talk about God's word dwelling or abiding in you. What does abide mean? It means to take up residence, to permanently stay at a location. So Jesus and Paul are painting this picture of the scriptures residing in you, inhabiting your life, being at home in your heart and in your head and in your spirit. So what does it mean to be full of the word? To be full of the word means that the scriptures are alive in you, living in you, influencing you, guiding you in every area of your life. Everybody say every area. Every area. Now, how do you maintain a life filled with the word? All right, I want to teach you this, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Give you a little one-liner. For the word to abide in you, you have to abide in the word. If you're going to be full of the word, you've got to fill up on the word daily. In John 8, 31, 32, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, see, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So let me mess with you again. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I love Jesus. I serve the Lord. Woo. Okay, prove it. Stay in the word. Because true disciples, genuine disciples, genuine followers of Jesus abide in the word. There's something about you that will gravitate to the Bible. Something, if you don't read it, there's going to, something's going to be saying, I need to get to the Bible. I need to read my Bible. You're going to do it. And, and he said, then he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So when you're full of the word, then you're full of truth. And when you're full of truth, you're full of freedom. If you're bound up right now, it's because you're not full of the word, and which means you're not full of truth, and that's why you don't have freedom. Genuine followers of Jesus stay in the Word. They keep an open Bible nearby. They read it regularly. 
And then the result is they know God's truth, and those truths liberate them from the devil, from their flesh, from the world, and it frees them to wholeheartedly obey and serve Jesus. Okay. So if you want to be full of the word, you have to fill yourself with the word daily. Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by cheeseburgers alone. Man shall not live by fried chicken alone. Man shall not live by fried okra alone. Man shall not live by fried squash alone. Man shall not live by fried Oreos and Twinkies and corn alone. I'm so honored this morning because uh, one of my best friends in the whole wide world, we've been, be- we've been friends as long as we can remember being friends. He and his wife and his youngest son are with us this morning, uh, Alan and Darlene Shetler and their son, JJ. I want you to welcome them today th- th- to, high- to high praises. I won't make you stand up, Al. And I took him. I took him last night. They got here last night, and I took him out to eat. You got any idea where I took him? Smoking pig. They need to start giving me free meals as much as I advertise. Darlene, I took her last. We took him to smoking pig. She said, "I've heard you preach about." She listens to me online. She'll listen. She said, "I've heard you talk about this place so many times in your sermons." We went smoking pig, little JJ over there. We, we got, we got the. He, I said, get the fried corn. He got the fried corn. He said, well, this is, I never had anything like this. I said, son, we fry everything down south. Man does not live by barbecue alone. Man does not live by glazed ribs alone, or the glazed ribs brisket combo. Did you say sweet tea? Cuss your mouth, Tracy. Don't do that to me. That's what the Bible says. Man is not, you cannot, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, you cannot live spiritually with strength and nutrition and health if you're not feeding your spiritual man or woman. Just like I eat three meals a day to give myself strength and energy and nutrition, I have to feed on the word. Some of y'all, y'all feeding three times a day. I can tell y'all looking good. I mean, I can tell. But if I could, if I, if I could see, I got myself tickled. But if I could see your spiritual man, would you be that big around? I mean, I'm asking you. You understand? I'm trying to help you today. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to say to you, Pastor, I want to be healthy, strong, spiritually. I want to be a man of God like you and others and the elders and the deacons and my my life group leader and the the people that I look up to. I want to be strong. you got to get in the Word. Those people are strong because they're people of the Word. Okay? So let me tell you several reasons why it's important that you remain full of God's Word, okay? And I'm just going to give you three. Now, look, this is the point in my message where I could preach on countless things. You start preaching about all the benefits of the word. I could just, we, I could have you here for three hours. We're not going to do that. So I said, God, when I was preparing, I said, God, please, you're going to have to help me here. This is where I'm, this is where you got to give me some direction because I'm just like, I'm, my brain's going in 17 different directions. And this is what I felt the Lord dealt with me in my spirit. So y'all going to just trust me subjectively that the Holy Spirit, this is what he dealt with me. So this is what I'm going to give you today, okay? How do you remain full of the word? Why is it important? Here's the first one. You got to stay full of the word, reading the word, reading the word daily, memorizing it, letting it get in your life because it will get you through the trials of life. 
That's how you get through the difficulties of life. Now, if you're older, I guarantee you, you've been through some stuff, okay? You've probably been there, done that, owned the T-shirt shop. If you're younger, that, that doesn't necessarily mean you haven't been through some trials. I've seen some young people go through, through some things that you just want to shake your head and say they're too young. They shouldn't be going through that at this stage of their life. But it happens, right? But, but you may be younger and, and you just haven't had a whole lot of things that have been difficult. Keep breathing because eventually it's going to happen. It's part of life, okay? In the, Jesus said, Jesus gave us this wonderful promise. In this world you shall have tribulation. Woo! Nobody's shouting on that one, are they? Okay, but it's a promise. You're going to have troubles, difficulties. But if you can get full of the word, it will get you through. The word will get you through the tough times. The children of Israel have come out of Egypt. They are now at this pivotal point in their journey. The Red Sea is in front of them that, that cannot be crossed. Endless desert to the left, endless desert to the right, and Pharaoh and his army are fastly bearing down on them from behind. And the people are terrified, and they cry out to God, and Moses cries out to God, and God speaks a word. And basically what he says to them is this, go forward because I'm going to dry up the sea, part it, dry it up, and you're going to cross over on dry ground, and I'll take care of Pharaoh's army. And they grabbed a hold of that word, and all night a wind blew. And when they got up at dawn the next morning, they looked, and God had supernaturally parted the waters. There was a wall of water on this side and a wall, well, probably just one side because the water flowed down. So there's just kind of this wall of water on one side. You could go over and there would be fish swimming. Well, it's my imagination, so I'll preach it like I want to. But you can see largemouth, big ones in there, okay, and they're swimming. And then Jesus, God dried the bed of the of the sea, and everybody knows on the bottom of the lake it's 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 mushy, and but He dried it and it did it overnight. He said, "Go!" So all these Jewish, the Jews, the children of Israel, they go across on dry ground. All right, they get to the other side. Pharaoh's army says, "We're going in after them." They get they get halfway in, and God speaks, and the ground goes mushy instantly, and all their wheels start digging into the chariots. Bearing into the into the, the bottom of the sea and they can't go and they they can't move and they're all piling up on each other and they're looking over and there's this giant wall of water and this fish is going you ain't got no idea what's about to happen to you bud and God says let's let it go and he let go and all this stored up water comes flooding over to them them and God kills every one of the army and God delivers them listen to me how do they get out of it. They grabbed a hold of the word of God. David and Goliath, a lot of people know the story of little David, little David and Goliath with a sling. I was telling somebody this week, I said, my dad went to the Holy Land. I said, he went to the valley where David killed Goliath. There's a hill on one side and a hill on the other. There's a creek that goes through there. They got smooth, small stones. And my dad went over that creek and got a smooth, round stone and brought it back to me. And I had it verified. It is the stone. For the right price, I'll sell it to you. If you believe that, we need to get you an altar and pray. But I got a smooth round stone. David went over there and got five smooth stones. Little David, big old giant in his life, but he's going to take him on. Nobody else take him on. David's going to take him on. But see, David, how could David do that? How did little David do that? Well, he's just a dumb teenager. No, he wasn't a dumb teenager. That little teenager was in the Word. 
He was a psalm writer, and psalm writers know the word and even write the word. He was prophetic even at a young age. Teenagers, that'll give you something to shoot for, to be full of the Holy Ghost and be a vessel that God can use. And I don't know what he's saying, but I'm, I'm just going to pick one of his, his and I'm going to think he might have done this. He reached down and he started towards Goliath. And he said, yep, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Wow, whack. Down he goes. How could he do it? Because David had a word. When you get a word, you can get through the trial. Daniel. Daniel's in the lion's den. Y'all like Daniel in the lion's den? Everybody reads about Daniel. When you read Daniel in the beginning of the book of Daniel, Daniel's a young man, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're all young men, but you have to understand, if you go through the chronology, by the time Daniel has the experience where they throw him in the lion's den, all the senior adults, he was 80-something years old. 80-something years old. Now, you got to be mean to throw an 80-something-year-old man in a lion's den. Now, you're just mean. That's all i got to say about that. You need to be taken out back and whooped. Right? Nobody ought to do that. But they threw that old man in a lion's den. King worried all night, couldn't sleep, got up the next morning, walked over to the edge and just wondered. He said, Daniel, did the God you served delivered you? And all, day, all of a sudden he's shocked. He heard Daniel, yeah, oh, king, I'm here. How'd you make it, Daniel? Well, the Lord sent an angel with a word. And an angel showed up and said, don't worry about this, Daniel. I got this. I'll take care of these lions. And he gave them all lockjaw and turned a bunch of ferocious lions into kitty cats. He got a word. See, when you get a word, you can get through the trial. Paul and Silas, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Paul and Silas, they traveling, preaching, everything's going good. Then all of a sudden, the devil shows up, gives them a hard time. Next thing they know, just because they're being good dudes and preaching the gospel, they've been beaten thrown into the inner prison in a Philippian jail. Nobody knows where they are. Nobody's coming to rescue them, bail them out. It's the middle of the night. If anybody could have whined, groaned, complained, these two guys could have done so. But instead, they got a hold of a word. And they looked at each other and said, it's going to be all right. Because we know that the Bible says that Jesus will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. We're going to be all right. So let's just pray to him and let's sing about him and they just started singing about him and praying to him and the next thing you know there was a jailhouse rock and God shook the chains off and God shook the prison doors open and everybody got free. How many know when God moves, God just doesn't set his people free, he'll set everybody free. Come on, how many know the gospel isn't just for the church people, the gospel's for everybody. And they came out and they said free, all because they got a hold of a word. Listen to me, here's what I wanna preach this morning. If God gave them a word, he'll have a word for you. And I just thought of a few words that might apply. For you, it might be in your trial, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Maybe for you, the word in your trial will be Isaiah 43.1 and 2. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Anybody redeemed in this house this morning? I have called you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, like we sang this morning, there'll be a fourth man in the fire, and the flames shall not scorch you. Maybe somebody needs this word from the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 20, 
verses 15 through 17. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of the opposition to you. For the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. You will not need to fight in this battle. Just position yourself. How many know sometimes you need to quit running around, talking to everybody on the phone, posting everything on Facebook. You need just to sit down and be still and say, God, will you just step in and I'm going to get out of the way while you do your thing. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Now, that's a good word. I'm telling you all this morning, you can get through any trial in your life if you can just get a hold of the word. I'm telling you, it'll get you through. All right, here's another reason why you need to be full of the word. And, it, and here's the reason why. This is an important one. It'll give you victory over Satan. Y'all believe there's a devil, right? He knows who you are. And he doesn't like you. I don't like him. Feelings mutual, right? He's the enemy of our souls. Now, if you go to Ephesians chapter 6, you'll read where, where, where Paul gives this description of the armor of God. Y'all ever heard of that? You get the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and the shield of faith. All of these items are defensive items. And that's cool. You need that. You need to be able to defend yourself against the attacks of the enemy. I don't want to be a battering bag for the devil. I want to swing back. How many like to swing back? Okay, I don't want somebody punching up on me and punching me. I want to swing back. You know, do unto others as you have others do unto you. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. That's not only the devil. I'm, I'm going to preach that in a minute, but that's only for the devil. So I want to swing back. Well, thank God Paul keeps preaching, and he says, take up all these. And then he said, and take up the sword of the Spirit. Ah, now you're getting there. Which is the word of God. So you, the, the word is a sword. The word is a sword, which means a sword is a weapon. So you can defeat the enemy. You can inflict harm on the enemy. Not literally because he's a spirit and he won't bleed, but you can defeat him and destroy his works in your life if you will just stand on, quote, stand on the word. The person who showed us how this works is Jesus. He is He's gone into the wilderness to be to, to be fast and pray for 40 days. And who shows up? The dirty devil. He tempts him for 40 days, and he tries to get Jesus to sin because that's what the devil does. The devil tries to get you to sin. Even if you go through something physically difficult in your life, ultimately the devil wants you to throw out your faith, and that would be sin. So the devil's always trying to get us to sin. And so he's trying to get the Son of God to sin. And he says, if these uh, if you're, you're hungry, uh, take these, this, these stones and turn them into bread. Feed yourself. Now watch what Jesus did. He said, nope, because it is written, and he gave him. Man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That scripture I just used, that's what he used. But watch this. He knew the word. He had the word memorized. He quoted the word. But let me tell you, if you do that to the devil, that's good, but that's not enough. Then he obeyed the word. Nobody, when anybody ever preaches about this, nobody ever talks about this. But he, did he turn the stones into bread? Did he? No. That's the point. He knew the word and he obeyed the word. That's how he beat the devil. Get on this pinnacle of the temple and jump off. And then the devil, the devil knows the scriptures better than you, by the way. That's why you got to be full of the word. 
He said, jump off. It is written. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They'll, they'll hold you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said, yeah, that's what the word says. But there's a greater principle of God's word that says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So did Jesus jump? No. So he knew the word. He quoted the word. He, he went back. But most importantly, he stood by the word, obeyed the word, and he didn't disobey his father. Then the devil said, look, you can bypass the cross. I, every, look, up, look at all the kingdoms of the world. They're mine because I'm the God of this world. I will give them to you. You can bypass the cross. I'm giving to them. You want to give them to your followers, do whatever you want with it. All I ask is that you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, no, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. I'm not. So he knew the word, quoted the word, but did he bow down? No, and that's the point. You have to know the word, quote the word, stand on the word, but you have to obey the word. And when you make right, listen to me, brothers and sisters, when you make right moral choices, that is how you defeat the enemy and walk and live in victory. So let me just give you some things this morning that will tell you why you must be filled with the word so you can overcome the attacks of the enemy. I'm going to tell you what the devil's going to say, then I'm going to tell you what the word says. So the devil shows up and he'll say, you know what, you're just a loser. You ever heard him tell you that? He tells a lot of people that. He'll tell teenagers that. He'll tell young people. Young people have a developing self-esteem and a lot of times they have a low self-esteem. He'll say, you know what, you're just a loser. You don't have any friends. He's, the devil start pointing you. And young people think, I am a loser. But listen, when the devil tells you you're a loser, you've got to come back and say, well, you may think so, but I'm just going to go by what God says. And God's word says, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. So I'm a winner. I ain't a loser. And then the devil showed up and said, you know what, God does not love you. And he loves you to believe that one. God doesn't love me anymore. Don't ever buy that. That's what he wants you to believe. But when the devil comes to you, by the way, anything the devil always says is a lie. He's a liar and a father of all lies. But the devil comes and says, God doesn't love you. And you say, well, devil, I know, I, I hear what you're saying. But here's what I've heard the word say, who shall separate me from the love of Christ? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, including you, Satan, shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Oh, the devil will show up and say, you know what? You're still a sinner. Now, why do you think you're saved? <laughs> I know how you live. You're not right with God. And you say, all right, devil, I know I don't, I don't have it all right. I know that. I know sometimes I fail, okay? I know what you're saying, but I'm, I'm just going to go by what God says because the word of God says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm no longer condemned. And then the devil will show up and say, you know what? You're going to fail. Why are you even trying? You're going to fail. I'm going to predict it right now. You're going to fail miserably. And you just say, well, you can think all you want. But, devil, I've read the word, and the word of God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm going to succeed. And then this one I've actually heard the devil say to me myself personally, I'm going to destroy you. About 19 years ago, 18, 19 years ago, when we started this church, everything was fresh and new. I'd never been a church planner before. I was driven. I was hyper maybe a little ADD, and just, just I was all in. I want everything a certain way. And I just burned the candle at both ends around the back and up the middle and did stupid things at the age of 33, 34, whatever. And next thing I know, I started having massive panic attacks. I'd get in the pulpit and couldn't preach. Massive panic attacks. And I will never forget the day when I had a massive panic attack and, and Leah was at home, and I was upstairs in our bedroom. I was not in the fetal position. I was almost in the fetal position, weeping my eyes out uncontrollably, 
crying out to God, thinking, my life is over, my ministry's over, I cannot do this anymore. I called Lee, I said, you got to get home. And while I'm laying there, I heard the voice of Satan. I heard it, I'm telling you. And he said, "Mm mm-hmm. Yep, you came over here to Anderson, got these people all fired up, gave them a vision, told them what they were going to do, buy land, build a building, and you got them all these things you told them, and then look all the difficulties you're having, and look at you, you can't even function, and I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to totally destroy you, and then after I get through destroying you, I'm going to destroy that church, and everything you thought and envisioned, I'm going to totally, I heard Satan speak to me. I'm telling you, the devil knows when you're going to be at your weakest, the devil knows when you're going to be at your lowest and he may tell you that he's going to destroy you. But let me just give you a word. Don't listen to him. Just say, devil, say all you want. But I went over and read what Jesus said, and Jesus said, behold, look what I'm about to tell you. I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. See what I'm saying? That's how you overcome the devil. The devil will say, well, God doesn't care about you. That's a good one he uses all the time. God doesn't care about you. He cares about everybody else but doesn't care about you. You're second rate. You're like a middle child. Sorry for all the middle children. Leah's a middle child. But you say, uh, well, maybe that. Maybe you think that's so, devil, but I went over and read that I'm supposed to cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. So I think he does care about me. And then the devil say, God won't forgive you for that sin. You've messed up one too many times. It's over. And you're feeling really bad. You really almost want to believe him, but don't. Because 1 John 1, 9 has a word for you. That even when you mess up, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from not just some, but all unrighteousness. And I love that verse that says, but where sin abounds, grace does much more about, there's always more grace. So, devil, you're wrong. And then the devil will say, why don't you do those drugs? Why don't you drink that alcohol? Why don't you sleep with your boyfriend and your girlfriend? But here's the word of the Lord. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Why do you have to live right? Why can you not do those things the devil says? Because my body's not mine. I was purchased with the ruby red blood of Jesus Christ. And when he redeemed me, I became God's property. And so devil, no, I'm not going to take God's property and take it out to a trash pile and treat it like a piece of trash, but I'm going to treat it like it is. This is the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. Your devil say, you know what, you're angry. Go ahead and say something mean. Type in something on that keypad. Throw the first punch. Ooh, and you want to throw that first punch. But you have to say, devil, I'm not listening to you. I got a word from the Lord. The Lord's already talked about this. He said, be angry and sin not. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. The devil say, go ahead and tell that lie. You could get out of trouble. But you say, I know, devil, that'd be the easy way out, but that's not the way we roll. Because the Bible says, do not lie to one another, but speak the truth in love. 
And then the devil come along. You've been, see, you've been seeking God about something really, really important. You prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing's happened. Y'all ever had that happen? Okay, devil shows up. He's been watching you. And he'll say, why do you keep praying? Why do you keep praying? God is ignoring your prayers. But you have to say, devil, you just need to shut up. Get out of my face. Leave me alone. I ain't listening to you. Because I have read, and the word says, that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. And even though nothing's happening right now, God hears me. And there is a timing, and God will come through. And the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. And sooner or later, something's going to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how you overcome the enemy. You have to be full. If you don't know the word, you'll start buying into his lies. That's why all the young adults going off to college, you're in high school and to college, you need to know the word. Because you're going to have some knucklehead professor teaching a bunch of junk that you're going to go, I never heard that, and he sounds so convincing. Well, that's why they pay him to sound so convincing. And you say, but I thought the Bible says, well, you know what, if that's what the Bible says, you hang on to what the Bible says, pay the dude, get an A on the paper, even if you have to tell him what he wants to hear, and go on your way saying, I know a whole lot more than he does, and I ain't got a doctor in front of my name. Because I would rather care about what thus says the Lord than thus says Dr. Knucklehead. Right? I'm not against doctorates, praise the Lord. Let me get one myself one day. I lay in their church. She just started working on hers. I said, oh, you may be inspiring me to go ahead and bite that bullet. So let's recap as I close. You need to be full of the word so you can get through the trials of life, right? You need to be full of the word so you can win the spiritual victory. And then you need to know the, be full of the word. Now listen to me. So you can know the will of God for you. Now this one. You're just going to sit there and listen if you act like the first service. But you need to hear me. I've preached like this for 31 years, and I ain't stopping now. The Bible may not tell you whether or not to be a plumber or an engineer, but it will tell you about a whole plethora of things relative to what God wants for your life. And the best thing you can do is obey it. As a matter of fact, even those spiritual things that sometimes we want to ignore or forget because we're so caught up in pursuing the things of this life, if, if we would just pay attention to those, God's plan, God's paradigm is that if you put those things ahead of those other things and take care of the spiritual first, then God will step in and where you're going to have to work so hard to try to make them happen, God will just give it to you. So let me give you things that I know in the Bible are God's will for you. One, and this is the most important one, is a number one, this is top of the list. You read the Bible, you're going to find out this is God's, God's will for you is to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. Now, when Adam and Eve were in, excuse me, were in the garden, they were made in the image of God. But then they sinned, and sin destroyed the image. Jesus came through his death and resurrection, to save you and to restore the image. But now we know that Jesus is the Son of God, so we know how that looks in flesh. Got me? We, we watched his life, so we know what it looks like 
to be like God, but to be in flesh. And so God, so Romans 8.29 says, For whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Y'all, there are so many people and things and institutions and voices that want to conform you to their image. But the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And do you know how you change and renew your mind so that you're not thinking like you were B.C. before Christ, but now you're thinking like Jesus after you get saved? How do you renew the mind? You reprogram this computer and you fill it with the Word. Before it was full of the world, but now it's got to be made new. It's got to be something new. There's got to be a reboot and a reprogramming, and it's through the, through the mind. Okay? But that's the will of God. That's how you find out because you're full of the Word. You read the Word, you find out who you should love. Who shall I love? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There you go. That's a verse. Love your neighbors. You love yourself. Well, I like my neighbor. He's a pretty cool guy. Well, not just that neighbor. Then it says, love your enemies. I don't like that one. I don't like my enemy, much less love him, right? But if I'm going to do what God wants me to do, then I realize that's what God wants, and I've got to do it. Y'all with me? Okay, here's another one. The Bible will tell you how you should treat people. Now, most people know this, but let's just go there. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others do to you. That's the will of God, okay? Now, sometimes I don't want to do to others as I don't have others do to me. Sometimes I want to do to others what others did to me and worse. I'm just being honest. It's a good thing Jesus saved me. You've heard me here. If I ever go one to get back with you, I wouldn't slash one of your tires. I'd slash two because then you can't use your spare. Oh, yeah, baby. Look at somebody and say, thank God, pastor saved. But you're supposed to treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, it works. It works. Treat people the way you, that's what God wants. The only way you know that is you got to read the word, right? Here's another one. What to prioritize. What, what should I put first in my life? Matthew 6, tells us. But seek first. There it is. First. Number one. But seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Now, what does that mean? Okay, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in my life. So that means that everything I seek is what God do you want. You're the king. What do you want me to do? So the spiritual things first. And his righteousness. God, how do you want me to live? How do you want me to talk? How do you want me to conduct myself? See what I'm saying? If I put those things first, put the spiritual first, then he said, and all these other things in life will be added to you. Don't ever sacrifice the spiritual in your pursuit of the natural. You'll lose every time. But if you put God first, then God will just open doors that you thought could never open and give you opportunities it, because God will always keep his yeah, his word. Now this was the one you might just sit here on. You got to read the Word of God and be full of it because it's going to show you what is truly right and truly wrong. As believers in Jesus Christ, we 
are convinced that the Bible contains absolute moral truth that flows out of the holy nature of God. So God doesn't arbitrarily pick things out of the sky. Oh, I think this is going to be wrong, and we're going to make this right, and this is just going to be wrong, and I just one day think this is going to be right. It all flows out of who he is. He is the only sinless, perfect being. And if you have a sinless, perfect being, then that being by its very nature then can establish a perfect moral code because it flows out of perfection. He is absolutely good. So he can present absolute goodness or moral truth. The world that we live in says there are no sources of absolute moral truth. That's why they want to shut you up and shut me up and shut the church up because and shut the Bible down. Because if there's a source of absolute, absolute truth, then they have to admit that that there may be some things that are right and some things that are wrong. They love moral relativism that says, hey, it may be wrong for you, but baby, I can do it all day long. <laughs> it's right for me. The absolute moral, I mean, moral relativism does not fit God's paradigm. It is the source, the Bible is the source of absolute moral truth. You got this? All right, what does that mean? What does that mean? It makes it irrefutably reliable and certain. So, if God says abortion is wrong, it's wrong. If God says that moving in together is wrong, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's wrong. If God says that alcoholism is wrong, it's wrong. If God says homosexuality is wrong, guess what? It's wrong. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. If God says lying is wrong, stop making excuses. It's wrong. If God says cheating is wrong, it's wrong. If God says stealing what doesn't belong to you is wrong, like somebody stole my golf club, Well, that's wrong. They better hope I never catch them. I may have to ignore that do unto others thing. I'm just kidding. Can I keep going? If God's word says stealing is wrong, it's wrong. If God's word says coveting what belongs to somebody else is wrong, it's wrong. If God says putting other things before God is wrong, it's wrong. If God says corrupt speech is wrong, it's wrong. Let me, can, I go, can I go on that rabbit trail? I do not understand how you can call yourself a born-again Christian and use profanity. I don't like it. I don't think God likes it. James said bitter and sweet water can't came out of, come out of the same faucet. You ought to be under conviction if you call yourself a born-again Christian and you use profanity. Your conscience ought to bother you. If it doesn't, you need to get back in an altar and pray through. I got that off my chest. If God says adultery is wrong, it's wrong. If greed's wrong, it's wrong. If being unforgiving is wrong, it's wrong. And if God says fidelity in marriage is right, it's right. If God says telling the truth is right, it's right. If God says blessing your enemy is the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do. If God says forgiving people is right, tithing is right, serving others is right, Marriage is between one man and one woman, and that's what's right, and everything else is wrong, then that's the way it is, and it is. If God says being charitable is right, disciplining your children properly is right, putting God first is right, going to church is the right thing to do, being content with what you have is the right thing to do, then guess what? It's right, and we need to acknowledge it, and we need to live like it. 
Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.